Orgasmic Enlightenment, where the sexual and spiritual come together. I'm Kimanami, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter. In this show, we explore all things intimate. I believe that our sexual energy is life force, creative energy, and we can use it to shape our worlds, strengthen our relationships, and self-actualize. I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism, to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. The Awakened Vagina, from numb to come. I have often said that most women's vaginas are numb. They have no idea how much pleasure their vaginas are actually meant to give them. A high-functioning vagina acts as a compass in your life, guiding you toward pleasure and aligned choices. It wants sex all the time. It is bursting with bliss. It gives you life-changing cervical and G-spot orgasms. It squirts ejaculate across the room. It is supremely articulate and can give vaginal hand jobs. It is strong, supple, lifted, and pulls up all of your organs, even your breasts and face, creating an energetic lift in the entire body. It can shoot ping pong balls, and it makes a man forget his name. An under-functioning vagina leaks energy and urine, it falls out, it prefers clitoral orgasms because it avoids penetration because it can't feel that much in the vagina, and it leads you astray with bad choices. So, how do we wake up a vagina? In a few minutes, you'll hear from our well-fucked all-star Alexis, who went from numb to come, and she'll share how she did it. Here are five main tools I recommend that she used. Number one, yoni massage and reconnaissance. Get to know thyself. Spend time with your vagina and explore every nook and cranny of it. Two, exercise with the jade yoni egg. Just like any other part of your body, your vagina needs exercise. Misguided and sexually inexperienced OBGYNs have recommended useless Kegel exercises for decades, and that's why we have a 60% incontinence rate. And other people suggest that you just wear your jade egg around the house, or do yoga with it, or go shopping with it, or better yet, sleep with it in. This is also useless. In order to actually build strength and articulation, you need a dedicated exercise routine. Sets, reps, it's the only way to build strength. Plus, the jade egg, at least the way I teach it, is a mind-body-spirit reconnection to your sexual self via your vagina. We blast through the layers of dissociated weakness, and the power and awareness you build flows out from your vagina into every element of your life. Daily sex. Pleasure begets pleasure. Having consistent sex dates, whether with yourself and or your partner, keeps your bliss engine going. Stagnant sexual energy is responsible for all reproductive ailments. Yes, I said it and I 100% stand by it. We have had scores of people heal all kinds of sexual maladies just through getting their sexual energy in motion. When you're, well, and other maladies too, I will add that. <laughs> when your vagina is full of pleasure, it acts as it's meant to, which is like a fourth brain, a compass of ecstasy, guiding you into more pleasure and healthier choices in your life. Number four, toss the lubes. To wake up the vagina, you need to re-establish your relationship. Honor and listen to what your vagina has to say. Contrary to popular and ever so shitty advice out there, a girl's best friend is not lube. It's actually one of her worst enemies. It encourages a woman to consistently ignore and override the voice of her vagina. Wet equals turned on and please enter me. Not wet equals not turned on yet. It's not a signal for let's get the lube. 
all women are capable of lubricating naturally at any age and stage of their lives. It's the Anami Guarantee. When you learn to tune into your vagina, you will find that she has a lot to say. The things that make her wet or keep her dry might tell you a lot about what's going on in your life and the truth of what and who really turns you on. Number five, bringing us closer to that topic, be selective about what goes inside. Your vagina is the ultimate receptacle. Its purpose is to receive. So what are you feeding it? Love, nourishment, respect, integrity, and healthy choices. This includes the humans you let into your sacred space. Are they imprinting adoration in your tissues or regret and disgust? Are you using cheap plastic carcinogenic dildos or gorgeous works of art a la body safe Anami Alchemia couture dildos? Are you using toxic bleached tampons or do you let your flow happen unhindered or at the very least use clean and organic materials next to and in your yoni? Are you stuffing a bunch of hormone blockers into your uterus and vagina? Because yes, that is what hormonal birth control does or metal contraptions. Or are you learning the rhythms of your body and observing when you are able to conceive and when you are not? If you pelt your vagina with abuse and toxins, your vagina will shut down and go numb. If you love and honor her and treat her like a queen, she will wake up and bestow upon you all of the blessings, cornucopia. The power is in your hands and vagina. In today's all-star interview, we are speaking with Alexis. Alexis went on an Anami marathon last year. She started with Vaginal Kung Fu, and she and her partner ended up taking all of the salons, Coming Together, How to Be a Well-Fucked Woman, and Sexual Mastery for Men. She says, I had never had any kind of orgasm besides clitoral. I now have gushing G-spot and squirting orgasms just from us kissing. During penetrative sex, I'm having at least five plus vaginal orgasms per session. Now we have sex two to five times a day and have for the past 87 days. And we're in the middle of a sex every day packed for 180 days. Well fucked all stars. Hello, Alexis. Hey, Kim. Awesome to see you. So excited to be here. You have so many amazing stories to share. I am <laughs> delighted to be able to have people experience them. So you've been on an Anami uh, extended sex date for like a year. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, you know, we did all the salons this year. And so uh, all in 2023 was your big. Yes, all in 2023 has yeah. been the whole, the whole thing. And uh, yeah, there was a point probably back in April where we just say, decided to make like a six month sex pact that ended eight days ago. <laughs> How did you do? We got to 160 days and then everybody got sick and we had like a two, three day lapse and then we picked it back up. So yeah, 160 days straight we went through. That is amazing. So I'm assuming you mean children in the house. Oh yeah, three kids. Three kids. So despite having three children, you were managing to commit to sex at least every day for 160 days and then typhoon came through and then Mm -hmm. got back up on that bed yep right amazing so and that was you know sports and homeschooling and stuff you know it was fun during the summer and then fall came and it took a real concerted effort but it was totally worth it everybody's back indoors yeah yeah So what did you notice in your relationship? So you've done not only this 160-day stretch commitment, but the whole year, because we run salons something like 34 weeks of the year. And if you've done, well, let's see, eight times four. Yeah, 
34, 36 weeks of the year. So, you know, you've been on a full Anami journey the entire year. So how would you contrast your relationship before this year and now coming to the end of this year? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy because especially from like outside and standard and what's kind of like expected in society, our relationship would have been considered like better than most, you know, like, you know, we spent a lot of time together. We were having, you know, sex <laughs> three to four times a week, you know, definitely like full junk food sex and stuff like that. Well, hang um, on, what is junk food sex to you? How would you describe that? Well, um, let the whole session was, you know, we would we would go through our whole day with the kids and then we would hang out and like watch shows together for like two hours. And then like right before we passed out, we'd be like, oh, we have to get this in. So, you know, we'd have like penetrative sex for like a little bit, like seven minutes. And then, you know, afterwards, like we take out the vibrator, I'd have a clitoral orgasm and we would pass out. And that's what we did before. And honestly, I think about it now and it's almost like embarrassing <laughs> with how far we've come to think about what we thought was okay before. Yeah, right. but now, now it's like, it's just the relationships just so much deeper. Like we're so much more connected like to a point where like it was always what i wanted but everybody was like oh like you're asking for too much like that's not possible like you know like that's not you know you should be happy with what you have and when we got to that point where where we got to in cct um in couples coming together it was just like i was like everybody can bite me i was right <laughs> this is magical. Like, this is amazing. And, and it really is. And the sex that we're having is so deep and profound and just the conversations we're having and the honesty and the clarity through everything. So honestly, I, like I said, I mean, I thought before that we were good, that we were doing okay, but now like how deep and intense everything is between us now, I'm like, thank, you know, thank God we didn't go on like that forever. Right. So what was your own journey with your vagina through all of this? Oh, my gosh. So it was really um, interesting for me because when I was, um, you know, younger and when I first started, you know, having sex and exploring stuff, I was like, this is the best feeling thing ever. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is phenomenal, right? Everybody's going to get one of these, man. Right? Amazing. I was like, I was like, why does anybody do anything else with their life, you know? So, you know, I had like phenomenal sensation and everything was great. And I don't think I had vaginal orgasms, but I had greatness. It was, it was awesome. And then a few years after you know, I start was sexually active, I went completely numb, right? And at first, I thought everybody else was the problem. I was like, wow, guys in their 20s, really, like, they really drop off. You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, they really don't know what they're doing anymore. And I, I literally thought everybody else was the problem. And then it kept going on, and it kept going on. And, um, you know, I was, I was really, really numb for probably about 12 years up until, you know, joining VKF to the point where like, if I was on top, I couldn't feel anything. And um, it, it happened even before I started having kids. So I couldn't use that as an excuse. You know, I didn't know what was going on. And I had been to pelvic floor therapists. I'd been a urologist. I had had midwives and OBs, right? Everybody had been up in my business and they're like, your muscle's fine. Your control's fine. Nothing's wrong. You know, I did like the parafit stuff and all the feedback was like, you're so strong. Like, I don't know what's happening, but I was like, that I was like, then why don't I feel anything? You know? So your main well, complaint was that you just didn't feel anything anymore. Like you did. And then you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And can you and associate was, that with anything that happened? Yes. Yes, I can. And it was actually, um, I didn't fully realize what had happened until I was in uh, VKF and doing 
the the healing growths meditation, which is interesting because I didn't have growths, right? But I was like, I'm going to do all of it. You know, I'm taking all of this in. So I'm just going to try this. And when I was doing that meditation with the jade egg, I was getting like imagery of what was happening. And I was, you know, like, especially when I first started having sex, I was not in any like deep, profound relationships at first. Right. So there was a lot of casual sex. And then I got into a really toxic relationship that was really sexually charged. And and when we split up was pretty much when I went numb. And <laughs> um, the first person who I had slept with after that ended up being a very long term, very unhealthy relationship. And looking back, I'm like, my vagina was trying to tell me because the first time I had sex with him was the first time I ever felt pain during sex ever in my whole life. I was like, I don't know what this is. This is crazy. Something's wrong. Um, so when I was doing the meditation, I was getting all this imagery of like people who I had been with that I had never had a second thought about. And what I kind of concluded from that is I had like, it was like an energetic STD. Like I had like picked up stuff from all of these people and like all just this accumulated shitty energy was just hanging out in there. And, and it just, it turned into numbness, um, of course, mixed with a lot of dissociation. So, yeah. That's such a great way to put it, an energetic STD and really speaks the truth to a concept that I think most people aren't really willing to acknowledge. And that is the impact that having sex with anyone has on our physical body, our emotional body, our energetic body, and the level, the deep level of exchange that's happening that we discount, right? There's such a minimization of what the impact of sex really is. Casual sex is celebrated. And, and if this isn't a moral judgment, it's just that there's such a dismissal of any kind of potency, um, exchange, imprinting that can happen from this, right? We act like nothing, there's no reservoir, nothing that impact, no effect whatsoever, right? Except that if we're really honest about it, like you're being right now, to see that there was this residue that was left behind, right? If you weren't truly honoring yourself and in full truth and integrity and the people that you're connecting with, and then the impact that that has on our bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was crazy for me too, because I had to like during VKF, I had to admit to myself that like, okay, maybe that wasn't the best way of doing things, right? Because I went through my whole life, like I knew I had that era. And I was like, Oh, it's fine. It's whatever, you know, everybody was doing it. It's not a big deal. You know, it's, it's, it's totally fine. And, you know, I never judged myself about it. I never, I never thought anything of it until that was coming up. And I had to like, really sit down with myself and be like, No, like, I was choosing not to honor myself. I wasn't like respecting like, you know, my yoni and my sexual energy the way that I should have and um, have a little apology ceremony with my yoni <laughs> yeah. to be like, you know, my bad. Like, I'm sorry, like we shouldn't have done this and we're not going to be doing this going forward. Um, so that was a big deal too. But, you know, on top of all that for, um, Let's see, after I had my third baby, so when I started VKF, he had he was a little bit over one. Um, they had diagnosed me with grade one prolapse. And in VKF, I realized I actually never had prolapse. Like I, I never had it. It wasn't actually there. Um, I had picked up the story that I had it because I was three weeks postpartum when they checked me, you know, it was 11 pound baby, you know, all things were all moved around and I had never went and got looked at after that. I had just kind of like picked up the story, like, oh my gosh, I have this prolapse. And like, you know, then I was like, oh, you know, my vagina is broken. <laughs> I was like, um, there was this lady that I had followed that was like a prolapse coach. And she was like, yeah, she's like, don't look at it don't like go in there and stuff because it's just going to make it worse. So I hadn't looked at my vagina in at least a year 
before I had gotten into VKF. Like I, I didn't looked at it. I hadn't explored things. Like there was such a, such a detachment there and so many stories that I had picked up from that. Right. So as you began to work with the egg and the other practices, I don't know how much self-pleasuring you did before or yoni massage and how well you really knew your yoni. How well did you know it before going into VKF? Going into VKF, not as well as I thought I did because, you know, when I was younger, I had like, you know, looked at it, explored around, like I was really curious about it. Um, but to be honest, I knew I had a G-spot, right? I knew I had it. I knew where it was, but I had never had anything happen <laughs> from it. Like I, I, I knew that. Um, but prior to joining VKF, like I said, I mean, it had been at least a year since I had like really touched or explored anything down like like anything at all because I was just so worried that I was going to like feel something and it was going to be prolapse and then I was going to like spiral into this whole um thing and it was uh yeah the jade egg work um honestly was outrageously eye-opening because like I said I had done all these things and people were like yeah your strength's fine your muscle tone's fine and I'm like yeah but something's wrong and then I did the first jade work exercise and I was like oh I was like these two spots in my vagina are really strong and the rest of it is like atrophied it was like Uma Thurman and Kill Bill, like trying to get her toe to wiggle. You know, when she comes out of the coma, I was like, just, just move, just squeeze it. Like it was like full focus, but I had, you know, full atrophied um, spots. And it wasn't until I had done the jade egg practices that you had us do that I could identify where those were and work on those. Um, and, you know, Uma Thurman my way through it. <laughs> So what happened? So the combination of physical practices, you referenced a guided visualization that we do, and there's a lot of those in VKF, and then recognizing that you may not have always been fully honoring of your yoni and realizing that you had a, yet, a no when you probably said yes. Mm -hmm. And so how did things start to like describe the process of awakening? Like how did things begin to change? Yeah. So, you know, at first in the course, I um, wasn't doing self-pleasuring. I was just doing like this yoni massage, um, the yoni massage that you talked about early on, because even that in itself was so eye-opening because I would touch like a certain spot and I'd like feel it in my back. Or I touch another spot and I'd like feel it somewhere else in my body. And I'd be like, how is this even happening right now? And I got really curious about that. So I would do yoni massage every day. And the intention wasn't for it to be pleasurable. It was just to to really like get in there and I like see how all the different pieces feel and and I wake things up and kind of and to wake things up, yeah, I'd cut you off there. But the um, I just wanted you to distinguish, which I'd say you are, the difference between yoni massage and self-pleasuring, where with yoni massage, there's more of a reconnaissance, let's get to know you, and not necessarily mm -hmm. the goal of orgasm. I mean, if pleasure happens, great, but you're really there to get to know things. And is there anything else you would say about that? No, no. Um, I, I think that that's, that's kind of how I would distinguish the difference too. Um, and, you know, I think I was kind of worried for a little bit. I was like, you know, what if I do try self-pleasuring and then, you know, it doesn't feel great. And then, you know, I kind of spiral because it doesn't feel awesome because I went on a clip fast, right? I clip fasted in BKF. I was like, I was determined. I did all the things, everything that came up. I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Like, we're going to get there. Um, What's so a clit there was fast a, for those who don't know. It is no clitoral orgasms until the vaginal orgasms happen. It and why would we do that? To kind of help rewire things and not have it be like this default, you know, um, you know, I thought clitoral orgasms were awesome. <laughs> you know, I thought they were great. And there were times when I was doing that, 
the clip fast, right? I thought I was going to lose my mind. I was like, you know, I've been doing this for, because I did it for most of VKF, probably from the second week all the way through. Um, but in the end, it turned out to be completely worth it. And um, like I said, I mean, there were times in it where I thought I was going to go crazy, like not doing it. But I, I just... Like, I always felt like with sex, I've always had a really high sex drive, right? Like I said, like when I was younger, I was like, this is awesome. I love this. And I and I always wanted to get back to that. And I had been following you for three years before I started doing, uh, before I finally joined BKF. And I think I had finally got to a point where I was like, like, just full, like balls to the wall determined to get that sensation back because it's like, it's like it didn't matter how many times I had sex. Something was missing and I knew something was missing, like on like an intuitive level. And like, I just couldn't stand it anymore. Like, I just like, I, I just really, really wanted to kind of put that puzzle together. So, um, so yes, I was doing mostly Yoni massage um, when it came to anything with that. And I was doing that a lot. I was doing the Jade Egg work every day, which I got really into because, I mean, I, I love working out. You know, I've been working out consistently for a long time. So I kind of treated that the same way as like going to the gym. So I got I got really into it. I even emailed in one time and I'm like, can we do this more than once a day? <laughs> Can we like up this to two to three times a day? Because one, like I said, it was really eye opening for me. And, you know, I work so hard to make the whole rest of my body strong. And I just like let like this like crucial part of me just kind of like atrophy. Um, so, you know, I, I, I really wanted to to prioritize that. And I kind of wanted to take my power back from like the, the prolapse diagnosis. Cause you know, it did make me feel weak and like broken and like something was wrong. And the Jade egg work kind of helped me get like that, like power back and feel like I was more in control of the situation. All right. So tell me about your orgasmic evolution through that. So you went through this clit fast to put your attention and focus in your vagina and what happened? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, um, so I went through, you know, all of EKF and I started getting my sensation back and it started like, I, well, one, I was definitely, um, embodying my sexuality more, <laughs> you know, uh, following all of the principles and always wearing the dresses and doing all of these things. And it kind of like gave me like an extra boost to like, want more out of the sex sessions that we were having and kind of not push for it, but like work my way to it, like work it in. Um, so while that was happening, I started getting more sensation and I started finding tricks that made it so that I could focus more because I had to completely reassociate with my vagina. Like I had to stop clenching the whole time and I had to make sure I could focus. So I realized that like, if I'm looking at what's going on, I'm really focused and the sensation goes up. Right. Or like if there's certain music playing, like I can stay really in the zone and the sensation goes up. So I found all these little tricks to help me stay like really focused during sex. And the sensation just started going up like crazy. And then it started spreading like through my body. Like at first it was like just in my vagina. And then I started being able to like feel the sensation through my body when we were having sex. So um, I didn't end up having any vaginal orgasms while I was in VKF. But one of my biggest wins while in VKF is that I actually fell in love with being on top. And what's crazy about that is that had been my number one most hated worst position period for over a decade. Cause I like, you know, in other positions I was pretty numb, but like I could feel something, but like if I was on top, there might as well have been nothing there. Like you might as well, like, I mean, all sensation gone. And it's crazy because now if we want me to come, like if, if the, we want me to have like a G-spot orgasm really fast, it's like, just get on top. That's how it's going to happen. <laughs> That's how we're just going to knock that one, that first one out real quick and keep moving with it. Cause it's just like a tsunami. 
Um, and it was funny because I was only a week out of VKF when I had my first G-spot squirting orgasms. And I had six in a row in 20 minutes. And the first one happened and we were like, did that, like, was that what we think it is? And then the second one happened and it was like, oh yeah, this is going. And by the last one, it was like, you know, like a fireworks grand finale show. Like she was showing off at that point. <laughs> she was like, look what I can do. It was like decades of backed up things just, just coming out. And what was wild is it's progressed so much since then. So at first I could have the G-spot squirting orgasms with toys or hands. And then thank thank the gods my husband has a g-spot cock which we found out in cct amazing blessing <laughs> so then i started having a it during spot cock do you want to define that for everyone yes if we were to look up the toy that you sell for g-spot orgasms that's what my husband's cock looks like it's curved it's it's got that good curve going on and what's funny just like a little side note is the more we were doing the work the more it kind of like curved, it was like, it was, it's like, he was like looking for it, you know? <laughs> so Amazing. like, they, yeah, they were like, kind of like, you know, our, my Yoni, his lingam were kind of like doing their own thing, like reshaping to each other. Um, so then I could have it during intercourse and it would take a little bit and it would be kind of rare. And then I could have it during intercourse nonstop. Like with, I mean, every time at least six G-spot squirting orgasms nonstop. And then we got to the point where we were just kissing one day and I had a huge G-spot squirting orgasm, fully clothed, kissing. And now we've done that probably about four or five times. Like not on purpose. It's just like, oh, everything's just so like great. And we start kissing and it's just like flood. <laughs> you know? So um, she's definitely woken up. <laughs> That's amazing. So it sounds like the clit fast paid off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hands down. And what's crazy now, too, is, you know, having done the clit fast, I hadn't had a clitoral orgasm for a while. And um, now it's probably about 70-30 if there is clitoral stimulation my body will actually have a G-spot orgasm instead. Like even from strictly clitoral stimulation and not that I can't have clitoral orgasms anymore. I have those too, but it's just, I think, you know, I think that's my body's preferred method is, is the G-spot, <laughs> the G-spot orgasms. Cause once that like Pandora's box was unlocked, it just, you know, it kind of went a little wild. <laughs> I love that. And I think once your body and your brain recognize that new neural pathway and how much bigger and wilder and wiser it is, then it's even if you're touching your clitoris, it's like, eh, let's let's head over this way instead yeah. and use this outlet because we know it's better for the whole system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of hands down, what about your cervical orgasms? Yeah, so the cervical orgasms were really interesting at first because at first we were like, okay, like doggy style is supposed to be really good for it. We'll try this. We'll try that. And it ended up happening completely unintentionally. And it was, you know, it was in what you would think is like the most boring position ever, right? We're just like in missionary and it's like, you know, nothing crazy was happening. Like we were like, it was slow, but it was so intense. Like everything between us was so intense and it was so intimate. And um, it kind of like, like it just like it, it hit me out of nowhere. And up until then I'd been like, I know I'm having different types of orgasms. Is one of these cervical? I'm not sure. And then the cervical happened and I was like, oh, I was like, it was like an exorcism. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, this is definitely it. Like, this is definitely a whole different energetic um, experience. And I felt like something was like leaving my body. And that's kind of how it feels with me when I have the cervicals. It's like, you know, like this really overwhelming spread of energy and emotion. And then I feel like something like like leaves that's not supposed to be there um something that i needed to let go of but after we had done it like that a few times then my body was like okay now we're ready for you know 
<laughs> the more intense stuff. And um, now it's kind of switched to like when you talk about like, you know, doggy style, and, like just like the really like rough intensity of it. That's when that that's when my body prefers to roll with the cervical orgasms now. And, you know, maybe that's just what it needs to get it, get out whatever it's getting out right now. I know I laugh sometimes. I'm like, but there's other there's other sexual positions beside doggy style. Like, <laughs> why would you? Why would you? Bother? Why would you choose to do that? <laughs> so, all right. So your vagina's waking up. You're having all these amazing orgasms. You're feeling so much more. And how is that changing you as a person, as a woman? What are you noticing is shifting in you? that you would connect to that yeah well one was you know i had felt like you know vulnerability had always been a big issue for me um and when i say issue i mean this is something that i've done courses books breath work sessions like i have worked on this for years prior to joining um you know any of the salons and once I realized that that was the only way I was going to get to the orgasms was to like really like strip things away and like really get out there and really like let the emotions flow. Like I bit the bullet and I did it and it used to make me so uncomfortable. Like being around emotions made me really uncomfortable. Expressing emotions made me really uncomfortable. It's such a weird thing because I'm such an emotional person. <laughs> but like, you know, we have our conditioning and our thing, you know, all, all the things that we go through. And I, I always joke with my husband. I'm like, I just needed the right carrot dangled in front of me. You know, it was like cervical orgasms. <laughs> this is how you get there. So I've definitely been way more open with everybody in my life, um, you know, emotionally. And I'm able to go way deeper emotionally with everybody you know even my son he was my five-year-old I have you know three he's my middle child we were driving in the car one day and he was like you know he's like you helped put my heart back together you know and it was just so random and it just came out of nowhere and he you know it was one of the two times that he had said something like that while we were doing this work and um it was just so obvious that like the kids were feeling like the reverberation of everything that we were doing. And, um, you know, outside of that, you know, the reason I actually found you wasn't because I was looking for a sex coach. It was because somebody was like, I was in a different course and people were talking about trying to embody certain characteristics. And they were like, yeah, we'll follow somebody who embodies those characteristics. And somebody was like, yeah, I just want to not give a fuck what anybody thinks about anything. And then another person was like, you should follow Kim. <laughs> And that was actually how I found you. And it's crazy now because I'd say that, you know, me, like I, I live what could be considered like an unconventional lifestyle. You know, we, we, um, on the surface polarity wise, like, you know, he's always really taking care of us. I've always kind of, you know, done more of like the domestic things. I homeschool my kids, um, you know, all of these things. And it, it's always been something that, you know, pe people think people think we're weird. <laughs> like people think we're weird for the life we live. And I always wanted to be like, you know, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. And I feel like I've really gotten to this point now where I don't care and it doesn't bother me. And I don't think about, you know, I used to worry about like, what are, you know, are people going to think our kids are weird and stuff like that? And I'm like, our kids are just awake. You know, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So I've definitely um, given a million percent less fucks than I gave before. I mean, even with the growing bra going brawless thing, that was huge. Like, I am like a 40E or something like that. I don't know, because I haven't worn a bra since January. <laughs> but it was huge for me. You know, I breastfed all three of my kids and... um just being able to do that, like being comfortable, being in public, doing that, I had to reach a new level of like, I, I really don't care what people think because it was very obvious. It's not like some covert thing that's going on over here. You know, the ladies are there. And um, yeah, that was, that was huge for me. Um, 
so yeah, it's definitely affected all types of areas, but I think, I think especially with like the not caring what people think, I think a big part of that too is, is the depths that my relationship's been able to get to that my marriage has been able to get to because like, you know, you talk about how like the greatest gift is to like see somebody and like be seen and stuff like that. And, and really being able to get to that point, like it gives you like a security, like it's like, it's like a solidity where like it doesn't, other things, they don't matter, you know, like other people don't matter as much. So it's definitely affected a lot of areas. of life. I love that. So how about your relationship itself? What were the changes in that? Well, we don't watch TV anymore. <laughs> there is that. It was funny because it wasn't even intentional. Like we were doing uh, couples coming together and we were just doing the work. And one day we were like, I, we haven't watched TV in like two months. And it, it, do, it doesn't, it sounds like, oh, that's not a thing. But we did that every night. Like we had shows we watched together. Like that was what we thought was connecting right. back then. You know, I'm sure a lot of people think that, right? Like when I think yeah. about when people talk about, oh, we don't have time, you know, to have sex. I'm like, if you really went through your day and took apart the things that are optional, like, you know, recreational, but not really building anything in your life. Like to me, exercise is a positive building of something mm -hmm. in your life. Television is a draining of life force, right? Is really a waste. So that's great. So you were just getting so focused into these new adventures and practices sexually that you, it just fell away. Yeah. Yeah. It just naturally fell away. And, um, we, <laughs> in our marriage contract, we have our weeks every day is committed to something fun, right? So every, every day, every night, there's something interesting to look forward to. And, <clears throat> you know, we we took all the salons the same way that I took BKF, which is like really to heart, really literally, like if we put the practices in place, then, you know, good things are going to happen. And we just kind of like really focused on that. So, you know, we have our contract from CCT and we literally just vis revisited it this last week just to reinforce everything in it. And um, we have very fun weekly schedules, but I like to to joke that our relationships like this, like kinky Nicholas Sparks novel now, because it's kind of like, you kinky? know, like, it's a, kinky yeah, Nicholas Sparks like a kinky novel. Nicholas Sparks novel, like if you were to take his stuff and make it dirty, like that's what we've got going on. So what does um, that mean to you? Like Nicholas Sparks is the guy who did the notebook, right? The notebook. Yeah. Right. So if so, it's a kinky version of that, what does that mean? Yes. So for for me, it was really like, you know, I feel like it's not that people in marriages don't love each other, right? But it's not this like, it's more surface level because if you're not fully exposed to somebody else and they're not fully exposed to you. Emotionally and, and sexually. Um, yes, emotionally yeah. and sexually and you know all of the things all even like the radical honesty right i mean that has been that that in itself transformed everything for us because we really took that literally and we really took it to heart and you know like i said i mean we have three kids we've been together for a long time we've we've moved cross country we've done all types of stuff together but we know each other on a level now that we di we didn't the whole time. And I was always keeping him at a little bit of like a distance, you know, to be like safe, you know, like I, like if he knew how much I loved him, he would take advantage of it. And then, you know, then I would get mistreated and everything would be terrible and it would be the end of the world. And when we really kind of laid it all out, we were both keeping each other at a distance because we had both, you know, I, I had a child from a previous relationship that didn't work out. He had been divorced before. Um, so we had both kind of went through like these big dramatic breakups. And because of that, it was like we could only get so close, you know. Um, and during CCT, like and during, you know, through all of this, like really changing that, 
um, and coming together, like literally, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, like, like, you know, coming together, it's just, it's just like a really, it's just solid. Like, it's just deep. It's all, oh, and the, so the, so anyway, my point with the Nicholas Sparks thing was like, it's always like these grand love stories, right? It's like this grand big love and everybody's like, oh, that's good in writing, but like, that's not real. Like, it's not like, you know, things, you know, normal everyday life isn't like that, but our normal everyday life is like that now. And it's because we did the work to fully expose ourselves to each other to get there. And you can't have that without being fully exposed to the other person. And then- you know, we have, I mean, our our kind of like normal, like our rules, like we have sex in the morning because that's his favorite time. And then that helps, you know, both of us get through the day. And then we have sex at night because that's my favorite time. And that's when we really have time. So, you know, we're having sex at least twice a day, most days. And it's not just the act of having sex, but it's that plugging in and that like connecting and the intimacy and the deepness that is happening where like the energy is always flowing between us. And it was funny because I've always talked about energy and stuff. And I know he thought I was a little crazy. And after CCT, he's like, yeah, he's like, I can feel the energy moving between us. And like, you know, he'll be at work and he'll be like, did do you feel some anxiety? Because I got a little something and like, you know, all of these things. So, Yeah. That's really beautiful. And I think that's such a great point that people start to feel like when you really do get that close with each other. And we talked at the very beginning of this conversation about energetic imprints, right? And residue that's left. But if you're connecting with somebody on this truly deep, surrendered, vulnerable plane, and you're fully open to them, then the level of exchange is so much more profound. And yes, I think that people do become telepathic. They do start to really feel into each other. And I said years ago that when I first learned about these Taoist practices and Tantra, and I'd heard this idea that you could make love to your partner from the other side of the room, and now I have it where I can make love to them from the other side of the world because our energy bodies are that connected, right? And even from the scientific perspective, right? That's been validated in quantum physics Mm -hmm. and these like, was it the theory Einstein's spooky objects at a distance or whatever he called it, but the idea that something can reach out and touch something else, like even though they're separated by hundreds of thousands of miles in space. So um, that's really beautiful to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So what else would you say has changed in your outer life as a result of that in terms of the up-leveling of your relationship, but other ways that you see these tangible shifts? Yeah. So, um, you know, I've mentioned before that I stay home and homeschool the kids. And I have, you know, since my my older ones were younger, I had always wanted to to stay home with them and I and I did, but I always um was like forcing myself to do something else as well to kind of like feel like I matter, you know. Like I, you know, I always had to have like some part-time thing going on or some like side hustle thing going on or some like uh business you know i've had multiple businesses over the years i've done all types of contract work and whatnot and i had struggled this last year with the fact that you know where i'm at you can't find childcare to save your life right so like you know i had to put my business on or i chose to put my business on hiatus last fall and i had really struggled with like like surrendering like I knew everything would always work out for me and be okay but it took like a new level of surrender to be like okay I'll be able to attract you know abundance like without having all of these things going on and the kids really need me more right now and really kind of like handing things over to Mitchell and letting him like carry that part of this relationship fully and feel safe to do that, right? Like feel safe to let go like that and know that I was still gonna be okay and that it was gonna be what was better for everybody. And it caused like a real like 
restlessness or conflict in my life, I guess. So, um, you know, I had decided to start growing my own food this year. And this is actually like a funny little side thing from from VKF, but somebody in it had mentioned, I don't know if it was in one of the videos that you were doing or if it was in one of the live calls that we did, but it mentioned how like women used to like, you know, like wash their vaginas <laughs> at, you know, their crops to help have a good harvest. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I've never grown anything before this. I, I have no compost. I have nothing. I was like, might as well try to use some vagina power. Right. So I'd go out every morning in my dresses and I would do that. And we had such an insane harvest, like everything just blew up. We were bringing like buckets and buckets of stuff every day. And I was like, my vagina did that. (laughs) She made that happen. (laughs) I love it. I believe it. Yeah, a million percent. But, um, you know, one of the things that VK really did is I didn't join Vaginal Kung Fu ever expecting my husband to do CCT with me or SMM or any of that, right? Like I thought there was a 0% chance that that was ever going to happen. Not that he doesn't go along with my things, but I think when he heard vaginal Kung Fu, he was like, oh, this is another one of her (laughs) little off the wall things. things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's another one of those things. Um, But once we were about five or six weeks in the salon, um, I was able to get to a place of vulnerability with him where I was able to be really honest and straight up about everything that was going on and what I really wanted versus what we had been going through in a way that wasn't like aggressive and attacking and stuff like that. And he had seen enough shifts in me up to that point where I didn't even like it wasn't like I had a, I had all these people ask, how'd you get him to do CCT? How'd you how'd you talk him into it? How'd you do this? And I was like, I just told him like, I just told him how it is. And I was just really open and honest and vulnerable about the whole thing. And he wants me to be happy. So he did it, <laughs> you know. So that was like I said, I mean, going into vaginal Kung Fu, I was like, oh, I'm going to denum my vagina and this is going to be really good for me because, you know, I'll be able to feel more having sex and I'll feel stronger and all these things will happen. But then it turned into like, I'm able to go deeper with myself. Now I'm able to go deeper with my partner. And because of that, he was able to come and join me in all of the things that we were doing. And that's when, you know, it was just the cast for everything else. So in the end, last year, we ended up doing all of the things. Fucked woman. He did sexual mastery for men. We did CCT together. And, you know, had I not have done vaginal Kung Fu and not been able to, you know, denumb my vagina and my emotions and reassociate and be able to get back, you know, in that vulnerability or honestly in that vulnerability for like the first time, um, it, it rested wouldn't have happened like vaginal kung fu was the catalyst for everything else you know like i said we i mean we had huge transformations during couples coming together but still i mean that that was amazing but still i still think that vaginal kung fu was just essential for all the transfer it was like the first domino you know for everything that happened the rest of the year and I love hearing that because I, you know, with you, the advice that I give people when they'll say to me, well, you know what, I want to do this, my partner, you know, with you, maybe they were, we're not on board, but sometimes their partners are actively resisting the process or they're just nonchalant, you know, whatever. Um, and I say, look, focus on you, put all of your energy into you. And as the changes come to fruition in you, your partner will feel that. And that's where the real test comes because if they really are interested in the relationship and in you and in growth, they'll be ignited by that. And they'll be like, what's going Mm -hmm. on here? I want some of this. Let's, let's both do some of this or they won't care. They're so far in their own, whatever oblivion that they, and then that can be easier to go. Okay. I think we're really not on the same page. 
But I love hearing that you doing that work and play, then, you know, they, the partner feels that, right? Like they can feel and see how you're different and how you're being different with them. And the proof is in the pudding, right? So why Mm -hmm. wouldn't they want some of that? Unless they're so closed down, right? And so in their own little bubble, in which case that really kind of answers the question. Yeah. Oh, there was one thing you had talked about how you'd have initially before this work, like you said, five minutes, seven minutes, sexual encounters. And now what is a quickie for you? How long is a quickie? Yes. So our morning quickies are probably around 20 minutes because we run out of time. (laughs) We literally run out of time. It's like he's got to go to work at some point (laughs) or the baby wakes up. But um, yeah, at night, our quickies have generally been around 45 minutes. Um, And it's not even on purpose. There were so many nights. I can't even tell you how many nights where we had a connection date and we were like, oh, it's really late now. We're just going to go to sleep and we'll just cut a little bit before we go to sleep. And then it's like an hour and a half later, we just got done having this great sex session that just came out of nowhere because, you know, like we were that connected. And um, considering the first night I had the G-spot orgasms was our very first three hour sex date. We decided we needed to stick with that. You know, it, it has, you know, it was very successful right off the bat. First three hour sex date, first G-spot orgasms. So we've stuck with that. And, you know, it's not all penetrative sex, right? We're still working up to that, but it's all fun stuff. Um, it's all fun stuff. And, you know, the longer, the deeper sessions, you know, you talk about it too. And I used to, you know, even though I wanted sex before, I used to want it to go fast too. Like I'd be like, you know, we're in, we're out. Like, like as soon as it started, I was like, okay, let's, let's wrap this up. We could have our orgasms and we can pass out. And that's going to be that. And Again, it's just wild to me now because now like we've hit points where we've got to be like, we, we just have to stop because time like, like we, we just can't do this forever. <laughs> like, you know, we have to sleep at some point. And it's just like, that's how like lot like, like lost in, in the in the energy of everything that that we can get now. So again, it's kind of crazy to look back and think that like seven minutes was like, je- like, our norm right that was what happened all the time and now if it was like seven minutes we'd be like i don't know i don't i don't know what would have to happen probably one of the kids walking in (laughs) shutting it down right after it starts i mean we have we have done some stuff in the kitchen that's had to get you know cut short but (laughs) and i have a to backtrack for a moment when you talked about like going braless and having a substantial chest what it what's that like for you and like are you just fully oblivious do people ping off like what what's going on for you and that not give a fuck energy oh my gosh yeah so the first time i went to the store like that i was like oh my god everybody's looking at me everybody can see my nipples they think i'm a crazy person like this like this is terrible right like all of these things and I, I, you know, pushed through it and I was in my head about it for a while. And then all of a sudden one day I didn't even think about it anymore. Like it doesn't even cross my mind. And there are some times with certain, you know, things that I do in the gym where I have to put on a sports bra, but I even try to work my way around that. I'm like, maybe if I do like a tight tank top, because as soon as I put it on, my whole body is like, get this thing off of me. This is terrible. Why are we doing this? Um, You know, even uh, I went on a work trip with Mitchell, my husband, back in June, and I got these really nice dresses for it. And we were going to be around, you know, like colleagues and stuff. And I was like, I should probably like try to put on a bra for this. And at that point, I had been like three months braless. And I put it on to try on one of my dresses. And I was like, we're not doing this. Like if they like, you know, nipples happen (laughs) and that's it. That's life. And, um, you know, I was, you know, I, I was, I was, I was always happy. I had larger breasts, right. I didn't have like a bad relationship with them, but I was insecure about 
you know, having had all these kids and breastfeeding them and them not being like 17 anymore and like all of these things. Like I had so many insecurities around that. And that was probably one of my biggest holdups about not wearing a bra is like people are going to see, you know, natural breasts in the wild. And, you know, they're going to know I'm not like this perfect, like whatever plastic thing. And now I'm like, that's so ridiculous. Like I'm 30, I'm almost 33. I have three kids and like my breasts are great the way they are. Like there's nothing like, you know, they're not all these things, all these stories. I, I, Honestly, before joining the Anami stuff, I had planned to get a breast lift later on. Like I was like, I'm going to get a breast lift and I'm going to get a tummy tuck. Like that was a hundred percent on my to-do list. I had a savings account for it, the whole thing. And by the time I was done with VKF, I, I was like, nobody's touching my breast. (laughs) I was like, absolutely not. Like you will, you will not, this is not going to happen. And then by the time I was halfway through CCT, I was like, even the tummy tuck thing was ridiculous to me. And I had been insecure about that my whole life. Um, And now just like the idea of having somebody like, do like cut into me at all do anything like that and i just feel like i'd have to disconnect from my body like i've done all this work to reconnect and build this really great relationship with my breasts and my vagina and my body and i feel like in order to do something like that i'd have to be so disconnected and i don't ever want to be like that again oh that's so beautiful i love hearing that thank you wow Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add that you feel we haven't covered? I don't think so. I think, um, I think that, 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 that pretty much, you know, covers like my orgasmic journey and, you know, the vaginal sensation journey and everything that kind of, kind of went on with that. Um, but you know, it's crazy because like I said, it's just been really life changing and we're just really grateful for the work because I've tried following some other coaches since starting this work. Cause I ran out of your podcast to listen to, I listened to all of them and I was like, I was like oh, I'll try, try listening to somebody else. And I literally have not found one person. Like I can just feel inside me like that there's something wrong or they say something and it's like that's not true and i know that's not true because of what my body's done you know and like you can't like so you know i just really appreciate that you know you're here and we were able to do this work and able to get to to where we're at because like it was just such a missing piece of life right it was just it was just such a missing piece and i think i knew something was missing but I didn't know how to fix it. And I feel like we've really both individually and together have gotten a point where we fixed it. And my husband had a huge awakening this year. You know, now this year he's like, sees all the things and says all the things. And like, now we're able to like share that and like really be together in that way too. So it's just been, it's just been a really great experience. Um, And I'm just really glad that I decided to finally um, do it because I've been thinking about it for years and, you know, thinking about it, you know, I had invested in so many other things. And when I finally made the choice to do it this year, it's like all those other things that I was trying to get to, like the healing and, you know, the vulnerability and the connection and all these other things, like this is the thing that rippled out and and kind of like finally put all that to rest you know that's really interesting to hear because we do hear that from some people where they've been following my work for years and they haven't signed up for anything yet and then at some point they do and i wonder if it's almost an inner knowing that okay this is going to be the rosetta stone this is going to be the really big piece and Mm -hmm. am i ready for that do i have the courage for that right now to actually dive into it because i wonder right like some people will you know find me two days before a salon starts and they'll dive in and then other Mm -hmm. people it'll take them a while and it's not because they can't afford to do it or it's just like something in them they haven't just like pushed themselves over that edge yeah yeah 
Yeah, I think I was prioritizing other things. And I was like, Oh, I can do this when I do it. Like I can get to this when I get to it. Plus, I got pregnant again and had another baby after after finding you. And once I got the prolapse diagnosis, that's when I started following really close. I was like, I think, I think this is the thing because you know, I wasn't I didn't trust pelvic floor therapists. I wasn't getting surgery. I was anybody who mentioned it. I was like, get away from me. You know, I wasn't doing any of that. Um, So this was really kind of like, especially with that diagnosis, like this was my thing. I was like, this is how I'm going to get there. And I know this is how like, I'm going to take my power back from that. And like I said, it was so interesting because I actually got checked out um for the first time since i was three weeks postpartum while i was in cct right after i had my first g-spot orgasms and they were like yeah you don't have prolapse you're fine everything's fine and i was like here we are (laughs) i knew it (laughs) that's awesome alexis well thank you so much for sharing and it's been amazing to have you in all the salons you've been such an active participant and so much great commentary and witty (laughs) witty moments and support for everybody else within the salons too so it's been lovely getting to know you and i'm so glad to hear of your evolution thank you kim My legendary Vaginal Kung Fu Salon opens for registration next week. In this 10-week online mastership of all things vagina, you will learn my guided step-by-step exercise routine for using the Jade Yoni Egg, how to give yourself a healing yoni massage, the art of the vaginal hand job, how to channel your sexual energy into creative genius, and how to clear the blockages in the way of you going from numb to calm. To check out the free preview video series and to be notified of when we open the doors for registration, go to kimanami.com, click on Sexual Savant Salons, and then Vaginal Kung Fu. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe and also leave a review and send someone else the gift of a healthy libido and an off the charts love life by sharing this episode with them. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, many happy orgasms.